just think we were prepared. You know, one thing my, uh, my trainer, he told me, he said, what did he say? He just told us to be prepared. It's always doubt with us every year. And it's like, oh, well, the Saints can't do this because something or, you know, Drew's gone and it. Oh, I, I don't, I'm the wrong person to ask because I don't care. And I'm coming in every year thinking we're going to be the shit. Same page that time. On the route. Now what are we going to do? Get down there, run the skinny post, beyond the safety and the speed, let it take over. Just a beautiful pitch and catch from Carr to Shaheed. What up? Welcome back to Black and Gold BS, the irreverent Saints podcast from Boot Crew Media, presented by AGI Specialty Valves and Zapardo's Family Market. I'm Jacob Krasno, alongside, literally, sitting next to Sean Haspel today, as we just watched the uh, fart fest that was the Saints' 20-13 to 13 loss in Houston. Uh, his dad, Papa John, is in the building. He may interject occasionally. Allison couldn't be with us, uh, and Bryce, his whereabouts, will, we will never reveal to our listenership. Uh, I don't know, Sean. Actually, I do know. This was a fucking bummer. Was and the Saints were three and three. They looked like they took a step back from the intensity they played with last week. And I'm kind of at the point where I'm ready to blow it up again. And <laughs> like, I want. There's a part of me that wants us to lose so we actually do pull the plug on this regime. But, like, what was BS about this game to you? See, now that's some bullshit. Man, I mean, it, it was a frustrating game on a lot of different fronts. So, uh, in the first half, the uh, the defense was pretty BS. Um including one of the most classically Saints BS plays that I can remember in a long time. So going into this game, one of the big uh, just kind of talking point storylines, what have you, was that C.J. Stroud, the uh, promising, exciting rookie quarterback for the Texans, has started off his career without throwing an interception through a historically high number of attempts um, in NFL history. And to his credit, yeah, he looks he looks amazing. Uh, CJ Stroud looks the part. He does. He does look the part. Um, but uh, pretty, like on what, their third or fourth drive, maybe? Or maybe it was second. It was even earlier. It was pretty early in the game. Uh, C.J. Stroud had a real bad throw and threw it right to Zach Bond of all Saints players, of all Saints defenders, who could have broken his no-interception streak. It wasn't any of our marquee DBs. Um, It was... It was Zach Bond, the much maligned. Was he a second round draft pick? 
Yes. Or maybe he was a third rounder. Oh, my God. Well, regardless, his career has, I mean, we could do a whole podcast on on that and how frustrating his career has been. But um, Zach Bond picked off CJ Stroud, and it was very exciting for about five seconds before uh, credit to whatever Texans player it was, but the Texans punched the ball out. They did a peanut Tillman punch and punched out the ball from Zach Bond and recovered it and giving them a first down. So <laughs> it was a net gain for the Texans. Stroud's first career interception was actually a positive for his team. And then they scored a touchdown. And they and and then they proceeded to score a touchdown on that drive. Um, it I, th- I mean Somewhat understandably so, the defense was kind of jarred and deflated after that. And it I, honestly, it took them like the whole rest of the first half to recover. Um, but <laughs> that was one of the more saintsy saints moments that I can recall in quite some time. It was kind of the beginning of the end. Yes. The game felt like it unraveled after that happened. Yes. Um I mean, I guess thinking back, Rashid Jaheed fumbling the opening kickoff of the season this year was a pretty damn saintsy moment, but that ended up not mattering in the long haul. Right. won that game. But that moment was quite saintsy today. Um, another one, another one was the uh, very brief benching of Trevor Penning. You want to talk about that? Yeah. I mean, of course, they are trying to send a message to him, I, I guess. you know, Ostensibly, you'd think it would not be the end of his career if they just benched him for one game. Um, but they put Hurst in there, and then he immediately got hurt. And Penning goes back in and plays like shit. Yeah. Yeah, he um, had a couple pretty back-breaking penalties when the Saints were uh, trying to put some drives together, like – or usual, um, I mean, and yeah, it's just like this weird Twilight Zone, Groundhog Day type deal where, uh, like, it feels like the more things change, it's it's funny. It's almost like Dennis Allen tries to make a aggressive, for better or worse, move to improve the team's at, at least short term chances of winning, and the football gods or whatever higher power in sports you believe in just for forbade him from making that move. Um, it sort of reminds me of, uh, I don't know if you or anyone else has uh, seen the show or, or read the book 112263, no. which is a Stephen King novel about a guy who travels back in time oh, there's, to prevent yeah, the JFK that. assassination. Okay, yeah. But like the more he tries to mess with the past, mm-hmm. the more difficult it becomes. Yeah. Like he tries <laughs> to change something um, in like the first part of the book and like he gets diarrhea like on the way to like change this historical <laughs> event. Oh my God. And like his car breaks down and then it's raining and it feels like, this is what's happening to the saints. Yeah. I mean, almost, you almost said it quite literally, like we shit all over ourselves today (laughs) and then we have a car who's not working too well either. So, (laughs) um, 
But uh, but yeah, so the O-line continued to struggle. Um, James Hurst was, would later be ruled out with an ankle injury, so we'll see how severe that was. I mean, he hasn't played great this year, but at, at the very least, he's deaf. Yeah. Um, Andres Pete, who had been knocked out of the Patriots game with concussion and came back kind of to practice this week. Oh, no, no, no. He had a groin. He had, yeah, he came back. Yeah, he had a groin that popped up in practice, and he was active today, but I guess Dennis Allen would later say that he was the eighth emergency offensive lineman, and so they didn't start, like, they kicked, it's, like, hard to play this game of, like, musical chairs. They they kicked Trevor Penning to the bench and moved Hurst out to left tackle, and with Pete just as an emergency guy, they put in Max Garcia at left guard. Right. Um, and so that was a starting line. And then Hurst gets hurt and they put Penning back in. And then later in the game, in what would be the last couple of crucial drives of the game, Ryan Ramchek, who has had his own struggles this year, gets a concussion or at least was tested for a concussion and he's out of the game. So, the two starting tackles that we went into the game with didn't finish the game. And so we had to kick Cesar Ruiz to right tackle. And I don't know if he's ever played tackle, maybe in high school. I don't remember ever reading that he's played. No, I I really, I, I, if he has played tackle, I think it might've been in high school if he ever has. And then we put in Nick Saldaveri, our fourth round rookie in at right guard for our last couple of crucial drives, which as if you're listening to this, you know that we ended up being able to un, unable to score a touchdown um, in, did we not score a touchdown in the whole second half? No, yeah, we did not. We only scored one touchdown the whole game. Right. And so they got a field goal and we got a field goal in the second half, right? Right. There's only six points of offense. Terrible, 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 terrible. Okay. Um, so, so yeah, so the offensive line is currently a mess. You got to hope that Pete will be healthy. Um, and maybe they figured they were going to only play him in emergency because this is a short week heading into Thursday night in the dome versus the, uh, the, ja- the Jaguars. The Jaguars. Yeah. So, but so Pete hopefully can be back on Thursday. Hurst almost certainly won't play. And if Ramchek does have a concussion, he almost certainly won't play. So we'll be heading into a game versus the Jaguars on a short week, missing who we apparently believe are our two best offensive tackles. Yeah, it's not great. The offensive line kind of folded after uh, the shuffling. Like every time the Texans brought a blitz, it was like Carr either had to throw it away or he was getting crushed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think anything was not BS about this game. I think it was pretty much all bad. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could say Granderson was the the one, the lone bright spot. Yeah. And the defense, to their credit, did buckle down in the second half. Um, <laughs> I feel mostly I mean, they maybe had one or two, like, quote-unquote, bad drives. But um, they adjusted, I guess, so credit them for, for making those adjustments. But, uh, I mean, a lot of the damage was already done. I mean, we allowed... Uh, I think going into halftime, the uh, who did we play? 
I just had a brain fart. The Texans? The Texans, yeah, 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 that's who it was. I'm trying to forget it already. Um, the Texans were averaging five and a half yards a carry, and that coming into the game, they were averaging a league low three yards a carry. I think I, I just checked. They ended up finishing averaging 3.9 yards a carry um, to our 3.6. Um, but, yeah, there we were way too leaky in the run game, and it was like some brutal – Brutal flashbacks of uh, of last year's bad run defense. So yeah, um, it seemed like after Bond dropped or fumbled the interception. Yeah, our defense was kind of playing on its heels. It looked yeah. like we were getting blown off the ball. We didn't look super aggressive. Like it just looked like the air had been taken out of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and Zach Bond, I mean, my goodness, like I don't ever want to see him on the field again <sighs> after that. I mean, not to like make this a Zach Bond podcast, but his whole saga was almost, it's like a, it's a <laughs> tragedy might be a strong word, but his, his best trait coming out of college was being a three, four pass rushing outside linebacker. And we apparently had no intention of having him do that for us. We, I guess, I mean, I don't know what the logic was at the time, but it's played out to where we just tried to have him be a stand-up, off-ball, traditional linebacker in our nominally 4-3, I guess you could call it a 4-2-5 base nickel defense. And that's just not what he does best. So why would we spend that much draft capital on someone whose best trait we wouldn't be even attempting to use that. I mean, the Saints have had some good draft picks, obviously, in the last handful of years, but that's a frustrating one. That just, uh, I mean, I don't know. Just it's a head scratcher. Um. Okay. So, big picture, like I said, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, uh, and you actually said this right after the game you're starting to disassociate with this team (laughs) and I'm, I'm kind of getting there too, because like it, it seems like it's always one step forward and two steps back Mm -hmm. and there's never really going to be any meaningful change. Like the team is in a better place at this point in the season this year than it was last year. Mm-hmm. And they do look better in a lot of areas. They're more polished. Yeah. I mean, the penalties was the, – the, the, this officiating crew, like, called a pretty horrible game today. That was, usual. That was frustrating. Um, but, like, it's just such a minute change. Like, it, we're just slightly better than we were last year. We right. just have a better quarterback right. and a slightly better offensive output in terms of yardage. But right. Like the team is kind of jogging in place, right? And like, is it time to start rooting for us to lose games so we can get this over with and and replace this regime with something that's fresh and revolutionary and like actually is exciting and gives us a chance to win? Yeah, I mean, man, I just this is we had these literal discussions last year, and I. <laughs> It's, it's, I feel like I'm a, a crazy person, but um, <laughs> they, like, we can, 
I guess you could root for that. Uh, I, I, I mean, I know that my weekends and, and early weeks are always better when the Saints win than when they lose. And honestly, I mean, like we've said before, we have enough talent on this team and our schedule is bad enough to the point where we're not actually bad enough to actually tank. And so we're going, I mean, you said it earlier today, like this team is almost guaranteed of, I mean, we won't probably be better than like our ceilings, probably 10 and seven uh, if everything goes right, but we're more likely close. Like, I mean, we could be seven and 10, we could be eight and nine or like, I mean, somewhere in between. Um, and <laughs> oh, as we as we're watching this, Jameson William just had a really nice touchdown. Definitely rooting for the uh, Lions to go into Tampa today and, and pull out a win. But um, and which which would mean all four NFC South teams lost today, which just for, further em, em, emphasizes my point that like we're in this state where no matter how bad the Saints are, our our most direct competition is also bad. Which actually means that it's more frustrating that we are bad because there's no excuse for us to be bad, and we have every opportunity to take advantage of being like not even good, just average. <laughs> so yes, I'm going to become the Joker, <laughs> like in more or less. But um, but I don't know, man. Like we're not bad enough to actually tank, and Dennis Allen won't be fired. And I mean, or I mean, forget Dennis Allen, even like. The offensive regime won't change unless there's actual motivation from the powers that be. Well, it's, it's funny. It's almost like a it's like an order of operations. Like you got to like Dennis Allen won't make a change at a offensive coordinator or like I mean, forget the title, but like play caller, like whatever. He won't make it actual structural change to our offense unless he feels that his job is in jeopardy. He won't feel that his job is in jeopardy unless ownership slash Mickey Loomis. I mean, you could argue that essentially those are the same thing these days that, but the powers on airline are either explicit or implicit in that his job has a certain level of expectations that if they are not met, a ch- like change will be needed, and he either that either has happened or hasn't happened, and he either feels that his job is on the line or he doesn't, and if he doesn't, that's a major freaking problem, and then I mean we could just spiral into a deep dark hole of depression and sadness beyond that. But um, what were we even talking about? Like, I, I, I'm just like spiraling well, like, right now. Like at what point, at what point, like, should, like, or do you think, even I'm having a brain fart over here. Um, do you think that they're close to losing the fan base? Like, it feels like the fan base has been lost since last season. Mm. And we've kind of let the early season excitement uh, yeah. um, make it easier for us to forget about mm-hmm. the horrors of the 2022 yeah, season. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's yeah. hard to say because like, 
like, do we exist in like an echo chamber though? Like is us and the vocal, well, are we, the question is we're vocal. Like right. us and our like-minded saints are vocal, but are we a vocal minority or a vocal majority? <laughs> like it's it's hard to really determine what what the true temperature of the fan base is. And like we were talking about off off uh, before we started recording, the people that the only thing that really matters to the people that really matter is the money, right. and unless. Season ticket. Well, maybe it probably wouldn't start with season tickets. It would start with no-show rates for the Dome. Um, and the resale market getting aggressive. Um, and then you would start seeing more and more um, opposing fans making up the uh, the fan base or the, the just kind of the game day crowd. I feel like we're close to that happening. Yeah. It's already happening. Yeah. It, it would be interesting. I don't know. I, I really haven't, like... Uh, I mean, you, so I've, you, only, I've only been to the Seahawks game last year. It was really my only game in the last two two or so years. So, the, you I don't know, really have a good appreciation for it. The Dome was pretty exciting for the Texans game... Or, the, I'm sorry, the Titans game to start the season. But I would have to imagine the more we lose and the more pissed off people get, the more uh, multicolored the 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 seats will be. We'll start seeing <laughs> yeah. other teams' uniforms in the stands on right. television. Um, and you brought up a good point earlier too that there's something different about this brand of mediocre football because really, you know, it's not <laughs> one of the frustrating things is it's not horrendous football like right. it was last year. It's very mid. Yeah, and so so were the teams that Sean Payton coached that went seven and nine. But you brought up earlier that the big difference between the Dennis Allen mediocrity and the Payton mediocrity is that we always had Drew Brees under Payton, mm-hmm. and the team was always fun to watch. And Brees, because he's a quarterback, always gave us yeah. a chance to win those games. But like it feels like we can't trust this team right. anything. Like, we're always nervous. Like, even when we're up by multiple scores, all it takes is one or two duds on offense, and the other right. team is right back in the game, and then we're helpless. Right. So, okay, you said something really interesting just now. You said the word trust. <laughs> and that kind of – I can turn that around to say, like, a phrase that I've used a lot before, like, the benefit of the doubt. And when we're thinking back, so so Sean Payton's worst stretch was that 14, 15, 16 stretch, right? That was because before right. that, I mean, we'd, we'd had a couple non, we'd had, I mean, in, in, in 07, 08, we did 7 and 9 and 8 and 8. Right. And then. Um, but those years then, were, I, I will say this very quickly about those two seasons. Yes. In 2007, we started 0 and 4. Yeah, and then we played really well the rest of the year. We could yeah. just never recover from that start. Yeah, and then in two thousand eight, we were devastated by injuries. We had a lot of injuries, and we one lost, possession games. We lost a ton of one possession games, and we were like two or three missed field goals away from being like eleven and five. Right. You know that that team was really close. Right. To being a division winning football team. Right. And in two thousand twelve, obviously, 
was the battery leak. So, so going like forward to that like stretch of seven nine teams, and things are pretty bleak then. I mean, obviously like, historically bad defenses and like uh, it it was it was bad. But Sean Payton had the benefit of the doubt because he obviously won the Super Bowl in 09 and then 2011 happened. And then even 2013, that was a really good team. We just ran into like an all-time great Legion of Boom team. But um, so... And we almost won that game. And we almost won that game, yes. The, the Marcus Colston uh, doomed lateral. Um, <laughs> that was not good. But so the thing is, Sean Payton's gone. And we can make all the jokes we want about him. Um, and obviously he's struggling in Denver. Uh, but Dennis Allen's our coach now. And when it comes to the benefit of the doubt, beyond his ability to field a competent defense, which, I mean, we do still have to credit him for, and he hasn't lost the locker room. The team still plays hard for the most part. As a head coach, Dennis Allen has never had the benefit of the doubt. I think it was John Sigler, um, a, a writer we like we like to uh, follow his tweets and, and, and articles, um, like posted after after this loss today, that only five, I believe, head coaches in NFL history have a worse winning percentage through or or record. I don't know if it's like record or winning percentage, but um, through the number of games that Dennis Allen has coached in his, in his career all the time, like getting back to the 1920s. <laughs> and so he's literally, if, if, if you are what you record, your record is Dennis Allen is quite literally one of the worst coaches in NFL history. And so just to bring it all back around, what faith, are we as Saints fans supposed to have that he and the assistant coaches that he hired the right guys to turn it around through those Sean Payton seven, nine seasons. We still say, Oh, you know, like, I mean, obviously we had an elite offense at the time. We said, we just got to fix this defense. We got to fix this defense. And like Sean Payton's a Super Bowl winning coach and a lot of, assistant coaches on this team had Super Bowl rings and stuff. And, and Sean Payton, to his credit, did end up overhauling the defensive staff. And like that led to the successes that we saw in that um, late, late career run for him um, with the Saints. But Dennis Allen doesn't – like he's never been a winning coach. He's, he can, he's fielded some good defenses, but he's never been a winning coach. So the Saints' brain trust is – forcing us as fans to believe that Dennis Allen has some like buried talent or like hidden thing as a leader of men and, and just like a winning to be a winning head coach that for circumstances outside of his control, have prevented him like that. It's not his fault. It feels like we're being gaslit. Yes. And I don't appreciate that because Saints fans aren't stupid. Right. That's yes. You're, you're totally right. Yeah. Keep going. You're on to something. (laughs) Like we all can see 
what is transpiring before our eyes. Yes. And we've seen it since last season. They're just not good enough. Right. And they've never improved. Right. Like it's, it really is kind of like a, uh, I don't, I can't think of a word, but like, yeah, you use the word gaslighting and, and, and it really is like that to an extent um, that they're asking you to believe that what we see every Sunday is just like some part of a greater plan. And like, we like, we're like, they're almost like insinuating that we're like saps for like not believing in it. It's like, we see something that you guys don't. And sometimes the players say stuff like that too. Yeah. Like they were, I think Demario Davis mm. said something to that effect before yeah. the season started. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that press conference. Um, and that's, and that's a little frustrating as fans, but at the same time, like, I mean, these players, the player has to believe that their coach is the right coach or else like the team won't function and True. they also have to have like an irrational belief in themselves right. as like to execute the plans. So that is what it is. But at some point though, if, the, if that point comes where Dennis Allen does lose the faith of those guys who have been here since 2017, the Mike Thomas's, the Alvins, the Marshawn Lattimore's, the Mike, uh, did I say Mike Thomas? Demario Davis, like Cam Jordan, the like the true, leaders and mostly you could say best players on the team, then that will be something that ownership can't ignore. You know, the, the Joker in me is kind of rooting for Alvin Kamara to come out publicly and say, I want to be traded oh, man. because this team's not going anywhere. I think that would be a huge, something like that would be yeah. a huge wake up call for yeah. ownership. It would, and it would be a PR nightmare for them. It really would, yeah. Um, that's a that's a good point. Um, when's the last time a like a Saints player of any caliber is like publicly requested to trade? Uh, I honestly like can't recall anything specific, mm -hmm. and we've definitely like in the Hazlitt era, we lost a lot of star players in free agency. Yeah, but we never traded anybody, right? You know, like. That's something that happens to the Hornets slash Pelicans and not the Saints. Oh, man. But, uh, I mean, at this point, like, what else is going to make them wake up? Yeah. You know, I guess the most realistic thing we can hope for is for them to give play calling duties to, uh, Ronald, Curry. to Ronald Curry. Yeah. That would have to be the first realistic step. Uh-huh. But – yeah, I'm. I haven't really looked at Twitter since the game ended. All I did was take my Saints shirt off because I can't be seen in public wearing Saints paraphernalia <laughs> right now. Um, but like, I'm I'm kind of excited to see how angry people are getting. Like, it's yeah. I think the people we follow on Twitter slash X have had. Yeah, don't, don't, it's Twitter. It's Twitter. I won't give you on the side. Please continue. <laughs> yeah, I think it's. I think everybody that has any sort of influence or voice in the Saints community needs to say something. Like mm. it's, they've got to do something. They have to acknowledge that something is wrong here. Mm. Um, because we are. Last week I posed the question: like, are we good or are we just a middle class team that beats? 
other bad teams. Mm -hmm. And I think we got our answer to that. Yeah. Is that we are firmly in the middle class of the NFL. Yeah. We will beat bad teams that have weak offensive lines, but anyone who is competitive, we're going to struggle against. Yeah. And we basically committed a backbreaking turnover in the beginning of this game, and we never recovered from it. Mm -hmm. And we also missed two field goals. Yeah, yeah. We didn't talk about that uh, Blake Rupi, um kind of backslid a little bit after his good week last week. That uh, He missed one long field goal, 50-plus yards, that – I mean, that's not a gimme for, for even the best kicker unless you're freaking Justin Tucker. Um, but, uh, but then he missed, like, was a 29-yarder? He shanked. Uh, yeah, it was, a, it, was, it was closer than 30 yards. It was within 30 yards. And he absolutely shanked it. Yeah. And, I mean, I think we were down by seven at the time, but, I mean, that would have helped a little bit uh, for sure. So, Right. If he just makes – so there were two drives, two stalled drives that really killed us. Mm-hmm. One was the the shanked 29-yarder, and the other one, like, had we made that, we could have kicked a field goal on one of the final drives of the game yep. to make it a four-point game. Mm-hmm. Or, I'm sorry, we, we could have been driving for a game-winning touchdown at the end instead of right uh, a game-tying touchdown, which, who knows, maybe that changes the play call. Mm-hmm. But I'm ready to move on from this one. Yeah. God. Uh, I mean, yeah, we, I think two of, I mean, I'm absolutely ready to turn the page. I feel like the uh, two of the moments that were really just super frustrating with um, the offensive, just play calling construction and crucial moments, because we moved the ball a lot today. We just had three we empty did. We red had, zone. We had over 400 yards. Yes, yes. We had three red zone trips that came away with zero points. Or, you or can't three. Have that. No, yeah, three. I think one wasn't a true red zone um, moment, but there was. Well, we were. We had it. We had a third and three where we called a running play <laughs> that got snuffed out. And I think it, we actually lost a yard to Alvin. But the offense seemed like they were not okay with it, but they had had two plays called and and were going for and forth down regardless. Then on fourth and four from like the 15-yard line or something, Derek Carr throws a swing pass, not a screen, it was a swing pass to Alvin Kamara with no blockers in front. And Alvin had no chance. I think there were two... Two guys right on him. I don't even know if he gained a yard. He threw that ball so quickly that it made me think that was the first read. Exactly. Play, which is like yes, unforgivable to throw it behind the sticks. Ex- well, so exactly. So people are were bagging on Carr for that, and like, like, well, we can't get down the red zone. Like, he'll never. Like, he's the same guy he's always been. But like, if that was the play design on fourth and four, that's like a borderline fireable offense. I'm sorry. I mean, I, we literally say that every week. So of course, like, I mean, it's not a fireable offense in the, in the saints world, but um, that was, that was pretty, pretty tragic. That was, that was terrible. Um, and then, uh, yeah. And to end the game, um, we had a good job driving down um, despite the injuries on the offensive line. We got it. Uh, I mean, we had first and 10, Right or from like the twenty seven, right? 
and yeah. we did have to burn a time. Was that when we burned a timeout? We had to burn a timeout because the play clock was expiring. Yeah, to avoid a delay of game, um, which is insane that that was allowed to happen. I mean, uh, it looked like there were some miscommunication issues with, with the O-line and with all the shuffling that's been. I mean, Nick Saldaberry, that those were his first meaningful snaps of his career. Um, some of that is understandable, but that's real bad. And then with – so we had one timeout, 30 seconds left, I think it was, from the 27-yard line. And whether these were the design play calls or this was Derek Carr dialing it up, we just threw four deep passes basically to, like, the five-yard line or end zone or so. Yeah, you were screaming at the television that these were low-percentage passes. And you're absolutely right. Right. Like – Another thing that bothers me about those play calls is that they're not low percentage if you get separation. Like mm-hmm. I feel like our receivers are not separating. It, like yeah. any, like none of them get separation. Yeah. Except for Rashid Shahid and Derek Carr underthrew that fifty-yard bomb to him. Had he actually hit him in stride, it would have been a touchdown probably. Mm-hmm. But it, as steady as Michael Thomas has been, and as spectacular as some of the plays have been that Olave has made, they really are rarely ever open. Yeah. And maybe that is a scheme problem, but maybe they're just not as good as we think they are. Yeah. That, that could be some of it. I mean, I think that the days of Michael Thomas being a, uh, like a true bonafide number one receiver are, um, those days are, are probably gone. I mean, like, so we, not to like bag on him too much. Obviously, he's had the injuries that he's had, but also he um he he's he's had some great great plays and like some really clutch uh really clutch clutches um when when they they've been they dialed his number this season. So it's uh it's it's hard to bag on him too much. Um, but but. Yeah, Chris Olave has had uh, not the sophomore season that we've we've hoped, um, and uh, Rashid Tajid is still a little raw. So yeah, all right, <sighs> let's should, wrap it up. Yeah, we we need to stop talking about this. Here's the preview for the Jags game. Trevor Lawrence got hurt. We'll probably still lose to them on Thursday night anyway. Um, all right, black and gold BS is brought to you by AGI Specialty Valves. AGI Specialty Valves, the pump protection valve experts. With over 35 years of experience, AGI Specialty Valves is the number one supplier of automatic recirculation valves for pump protection. Don't let preventable pump failures cost you. Contact AGI Specialty Valves at 832-485-0003 or info at agivalves.com. I wouldn't be surprised if Dennis Allen and the Saints brain trust are lacking in pump valve pump protection these days. They, they've got some of the worst pump valve protection I've ever seen. Black and Gold BS is also brought to you by Zapardo's Family Market. Sean, would you like to ad-lib an ad-read for Zapardo's today? No, nah, man. I'm pretty sad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Peter. I got nothing. But Zapardo's Family Markets, you know, it's a it's a great little grocery store. You should uh, go there with your family and uh, experience the difference that it makes when the owners are there helping you out. 
Yes. The partners family markets. It makes a difference when the owners are there. It does. A big difference. Big difference. All right. For Sean and Allison, who couldn't be with us today, and Bryce, who is imaginary, mm -hmm. and Papa John, who's sitting here making faces at us as we record this podcast. Mm -hmm. I'm Jacob Krasno, and this has been Black and Gold BS, the irreverent Saints podcast from Boot Crew Media. Until next week, who dat? Who dat? Who dat? Who's that? <laughs>